from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey, everybody. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back to the show. What is that? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, no, it's Jimmy Fallon. I know. Well, it's The Roots. Yeah, it's the roots. We'll give it to the that roots. That is cooler than Jimmy Fallon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. It is late November, and you all know what that means. It's almost my birthday. That's right. Yeah, yeah. National holiday. Truly a day to give thanks for. Um, I do all the time. <sighs> 22. Can't believe it. 22. I mean, Am I talking sorry. about the year or my age? Who's to say? <laughs> Who knows? It's not his age. (laughs) Now we all know. Age is just a number and a feeling in your body. That's what I've learned. (laughs) That correlates greatly with the feelings in your body. Yeah, but that's okay. I'm excited uh, for my birthday. Hey, how's, you know, everybody out there's got a birthday. It's not that special. 
Um, I hope yours is great. Maybe it's today. Happy birthday to all the people whose birthday is today. And you can go back and re-listen to this episode on your birthday, and it'll be like I personally wished you a happy birthday. Wow. What a good job. Watch this. is going to be our most replayed episode of all time. All right. Put a, put a pin in that. We'll come <laughs> back to this. <laughs> but I think this is a great episode to be our most listened to episode of all time because it's a very cool story. Ugh. Very exciting. Another one that just started small and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because y'all, Imperial China mm. is just the most fascinating place. I mean, talk about Game of Thrones style drama going on. Oh, my God. It's that times 10. I can't believe it. And I, I we say this all the time on our show. And one of these days, somebody's got to give us a TV contract. <laughs> but this one, oh, man, I'm seeing a easy 10 seasons out of this easy Easily. and that's if we cut half the characters oh my god it's so good because this is the story of emperor Xuanzang in 8th century china and this guy was part of the tang dynasty and he had many many lovers throughout his life he was married he had consorts and concubines as a lot of the emperors did back then um but they were not just lovers. They were all working behind the scenes. This is mm -hmm. definitely one of those scenarios where uh, behind every great man, there was eight or ten scheming women <laughs> trying to take <laughs> control of themselves because they did wield a lot of power. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to hear all about their various machinations and schemes. And I say we just dive right into it because this story is wild. Let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. The Tang Empire in China was an imperial dynasty that lasted for about 300 years between 618 and 907 AD. And this is one of China's greatest periods. It's considered to be a golden age of culture. And China earned a reputation during this time across the world for their contributions to arts like poetry and music. And one of the rulers most dedicated to being a total art boss was Emperor Xuanzang who started his rule in 712 AD. He was born with the name Li Longji, and this guy was the grandson of Empress Wu Zetian before him. And she was a very intense and badass empress, and the only woman to legitimately rule China in all of its history. And we We're, are going to do an episode about her. Don't worry. Oh, she's got so <laughs> she much. She has been on the list for a long time. Yes. Uh, the end of her rule, spoiler alert, was in 705, and it left a real vacuum for power. And things got a little rocky after that. So after a few complicated years of classic royal familial politics, Li Longji, along with the help from his aunt, Princess Taiping, helped put his father back on the throne as Emperor Ruzong in the year 710. But Longji and Taiping were really the ones in charge here. The emperor didn't do anything without consulting them first. When his advisors came to discuss political affairs, his first question was always, uh, did you ask Princess Taiping? And if they said yes, he said, okay, uh, did you ask Longji? <laughs> and then he would make his decision based on whatever they thought. Wow. So like 
the ultimate, like, not even go ask your mother, but go ask your aunt and then go ask my son. <laughs> go ask your aunt and then ask your cousin. <laughs> I love an emperor that's clearly like, I don't want this like, job. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the chair and all the stuff, right, but I don't right. want the job. He didn't really, too. I mean, you know, didn't want to get too into the history, but this is his second time being emperor. Mm. He was emperor before Wu Zetian. Right. And got... Knocked out, came back. Is a lot going on back then. No wonder he was kind of like, I, I thought I was done uh-huh. <laughs> with this whole thing. So why don't y'all do it? Yeah, Princess Taiping wanted to be in this position. So if she wants it, she can handle it. I you know. go ask her. Let her deal with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so with Long Ji and Taiping both being consulted on everything, naturally, the two of them were locked into a power struggle as well. Yeah, Taiping herself had been involved in, like, two coups already. Uh, so she was pretty good <laughs> at getting what she wanted. queen. Yeah, she's like, you want a coup? Call it 1-800-TAIPING. You need coups? I got coups. I got revolutions. I got overthrowings. I got it all. In fact, by the year 711, she had accumulated so much power under Emperor Ruzong's rule that she had his administration cleaned out and just replaced everyone with chancellors that she liked. Uh-huh. But Li Longji had also been instrumental in putting his father on the throne, and he had already been named his heir, even though he wasn't Ruzong's eldest son. But like even the eldest son said, yeah, it shouldn't be me. It should be Li Longji. Make it that guy. He said, I don't want it either. Dad's right. This job sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. For real. (laughs) Hey, little bro, you know what you're doing. Why don't you take it? Get all these kooks. Coup queens running around. Right, yeah, I don't want to be be in charge. (laughs) Everybody's getting cooed on. Mm -hmm. So this guy was in line for the throne and Princess Taiping got to scheming and dropping hints to the emperor that maybe Li Longji wasn't so trustworthy. Mm. He's like, your son, he's scheming against you. Now, at this time, Li Longji had a wife named Princess Wang. But being a young, fancy prince himself, he also had consorts and concubines galore. Plenty of girlfriends running around, side pieces, etc. Mm-hmm. And a favorite of his, Yang Guipan, got pregnant. But Longji was really worried that Princess Taiping, you know, wouldn't want him to have a bunch of sons. Right. And that she might target his lover if she found out. Because Li Longji had two sons already with different Ooh. consorts. But she's like, that's too many sons. She's like, you got too many. Yeah, too many people could grab at this power. I'm not trying to hear that. It is so interesting. They like they play such a long game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so someone can see like if you have a son today, 15, 16 years from now, that's a powerful enemy of mine. Right. And I got to think 16, 20 years ahead sometimes because mm. that's how long some of their schemes take to play out. Crazy. Yeah. So Li Longji is like, well, let me get ahead of it. And he starts to prepare a stew that in ancient Chinese medicine was thought to terminate pregnancies. Mm. But he took a little nap while it was cooking. And he dreamt that a god came down and flipped the stew pot over. So he woke up. He told his close friend Zhang Shuo about the whole situation and the dream. And Zhang Shuo responded, quote, it is heaven's will. You should not worry. So the child was born. His name was Li Sheng, And of course, he grew up to really like Zhang Shuo, who saved him from yeah. becoming a stew baby. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I heard that story that you talked my dad out of giving my mom this stew. Thanks. But it's kind of sweet, too, because I think that Li Longji at this point, like, really loved Yang Guipan. Because he wasn't worried about him having another son. He was more worried about her safety. 
Right. That's right. why you want to give her that stew. Be like, if you're pregnant, you're in danger. Mm-hmm. No, I, I see. I could see what he thought he was up to. Yeah, yeah for sure. But he turned out okay. Both uh, Lee Sushung and Yang Guaipin, they, they turned out okay. Uh, okay. She did not go for them. Okay, cool. She let them relax. Mm-hmm. But in late 712, Princess Taiping started making moves. She went to the Imperial Astrologers and she sort of strongly suggested that they go tell Emperor Ruzong, hey, uh, your uh, constellation in the sky is a little off. It sort of suggests that something about your leadership will change very soon. Mm. So they went and told him that Princess Taiping is thinking that the emperor is going to hear this and think, oh, shit. My son is probably going to try and overthrow me. I better cut him loose. Because, again, coups all the time. Sure. I mean, his grandfather overthrew the emperor. He overthrew the emperor. So, logical conclusion, my son will do the same. Mm-hmm. Well, Emperor Ruzong was tired of that shit. <laughs> he was so sick of coups. And he decided that instead of fighting it, why don't we just get ahead of it? He said, if my rule is about to change... Let's not wait for a coup to happen. Uh, I'll just go ahead and hand over the throne to my son now in an orderly transition. Then prophecy comes true. Bing, bang, boom. Nothing bad happens. <laughs> Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. Taiping, of course, is super pissed. This is the opposite of what she wanted. She's like, no, don't do that. That's the last thing you want to do. She goes to her room and she's like, learned a lesson about coups today. (laughs) Don't try to overthrow a guy who don't want the throne in the first place. Seriously. Dear diary. (laughs) 101 lessons about coups by Princess Taiping. (laughs) By the expert herself. (laughs) The expert herself. Well, the emperor, of course, insisted, no, I'm doing this. I don't care what you say. And he retired and he gave the empire to Long Ji who became Emperor Xuanzang. Well, obviously, within a year, Taiping is plotting a coup against Emperor <laughs> Xuanzang. Girl can't help it. Okay, she's like, this is what I do, all right? I, got I may as well deny my own breath coming in and out. <laughs> it's cool to coup. She had that on her t-shirt. <laughs> so Emperor Xuanzang regularly took this like herbal Viagra so that he could keep up with the many, many ladies that he was constantly entertaining. Mm-hmm. So Taiping was plotting to get one of his ladies in waiting to poison him with this tincture. But word got out, people caught wind of the plan, and they advised him to act first. So long story short, he sent a bunch of soldiers out and caught or executed all Taiping's advisors and chancellors that she had in her pocket. Mm. Princess Taiping fled to a temple in the mountains but Emperor Xuanzang ordered her to commit suicide. This was like a common alternative for aristocrats and high-ranking officials because emperors didn't like ordering their executions. Mm. I guess it felt a little off, like yeah, <laughs> like the family is around at Thanksgiving <laughs> and you're like, take her out back and shoot her. It's kind of yeah. weird. Like they so would... he's like, you take yourself out back <laughs> and shoot yeah. you, I guess. <laughs> you do it. It's weird. They, they had the death penalty for commoners, mm. but it was like gauche. For right. an emperor to order death. So he's like, just go kill yourself. Then I didn't do it. It's so weird. <laughs> My hands are clean. But it's very common. And in at least in the history I read, every time someone was ordered to do it, they just did. If I mean, you know, they're probably like, well, I'm going to, if I don't, they'll just kill me anyway. So I've got my honor to keep, you know, 
I don't want to also be treasonous and defy the emperor's order. Wild. All right. I guess, I guess they probably would send someone with the message like, hey, you've been ordered to commit suicide uh-huh. and we will stand here and watch <laughs> oh, you do it. Yeah. Well, because um, otherwise it feels like a really easy one to be like, hey, will you dash off a letter to the emperor that I am fully dead? <laughs> yeah. Gone, no problem whatsoever. And I will just take my ass to the next right. town. <laughs> Here's a nice crisp 20. Why don't you tell him that I cut my own bowels open? <laughs> I'm about to go open a tea shop somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> or something. <laughs> my name is now uh, Lucy and I don't live anywhere near here. You never heard of me before. But this is so interesting between the two of them. I think it there was so much tension between the Emperor and Princess Taiping, like that had obviously been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of these situations where they were just waiting for the right opportunity. And I think Princess Taiping jumped the gun a little bit and the Emperor was able to go, ah, gotcha. Now I can order your death. Mm, she's like, well, charge it to the game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now with Princess Taiping gone, now Emperor Xuanzang's rule was secure. WorldHistory.org says that due to his early policies in reforming laws and streamlining bureaucracy and providing for the people, Xuanzang is one of China's greatest monarchs in history. His first 28 years were called the Kaiyuan period, and it's considered among China's most prosperous and wealthy eras. First, he wiped out a bunch of unnecessary bureaucrats who had over the years all like basically bought their positions of power. And after that, he made it nearly impossible to purchase political power anymore. Funny that that's important. Yeah. (laughs) It's like this. You are all unnecessary. You just paid to be here. It reminds me of my high school football team because it was such a like I I went to kind of a rich school and uh, and the football was like the most important thing. And there were kids who, you know, their parents made a little donation and they ended up on the team. And for four years, they didn't play. We had like 40 people on the sidelines on our team oh that didn't my play. God. But it was on their college apps, you know? I was know? just about to say, it that's must all have they needed. just been for that college application. Oh, it was crazy. I remember going to those games and sitting and being like, what are those 50 people for? And it was like, yeah, they're, they're on the team, but they won't play. <sighs> so weird. So Song kicks all these guys off the team. He revitalized the capital city's canal system, which had fallen into ruin under previous leaders. Very important. And he brought a lot of surrounding areas under China's rule. He expanded the Tang Empire to about 4 million square miles, which is nearly twice what it was. This is, of course, both diplomatic and a little militaristic action that ended up doing this. Naturally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emperor Xuanzang was not just a ladies' man and a savvy ruler. He was also an outstanding calligrapher. He loved music and art. He's a big horse guy. Mm. Uh, He owned a troop of dancing horses, according to History.com. And he brought a renowned horse painter named Han Gan into his court who would become the most famous horse painter in Chinese history. Awesome. I mean, this guy parties. This is a pretty cool dude. (laughs) (laughs) Also, fun fact, there's a crater named for Han Gan on Mercury. Oh, cool. Maybe it's shaped like a horse. Oh, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Let's go check it out. Speculation station is shaped like a horse. Don't tell me any different. Uh, Xuanzang was also an extreme poetry fan. Mm. You know how we feel about poetry around here. So he invited a poet named Li Po into his academy. And Li Po writes beautiful, evocative, very visual poems. But he also writes a lot of verses about being drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got to pepper this episode with some of these pickled poems. So let's go down to Poetry Corner and hear 
The mountain drinking song from Li Po. To drown the ancient sorrows, we drank a hundred jugs of wine. There in the beautiful night, we couldn't go to bed with the moon so bright. Then finally, the wine overcame us, and we lay down on the empty mountain. The earth for a pillow, and a blanket made of heaven. He's straight up like, I'm gonna write a poem about how we passed out in the mountain last night without going into our tent. We drank a hundred <laughs> jugs of wine. Then I we mean, blacked I have out. <laughs> I've had that night. <laughs> He's like, we blacked out. I mean, we had a blanket made of heaven. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't remember what it felt like. <laughs> All right, so Xuan Song and his wife, remember, em- who's now Empress Wang, um, they had a strong relationship for a few years. And while there's not a lot of information about her, we don't even know her given name. We only know her Empress name. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said that she was instrumental to his rule. She provided a lot of counsel and suggestions that helped him in his early years. She even apparently played a part in helping Xuan Song's father take the throne before him. And she helped him deal with Princess Taiping. Oh, she's in on that coup action, too. All right. Really feels like she probably should have written some of this shit down for us. She was a pretty cool lady. Empress Wong never gave the emperor a son, but she did raise his son, Li Sesheng, that he had with a different consort, Yang Guipen. Yeah, the the stew baby. The stew baby. Yeah. (laughs) He had the stew baby. (laughs) Yeah, she raised him, yeah. And Sesheng got a great education. Xuanzang really admired him. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a ranking system for consorts inside the palace. Now, the empress, of course, absolute top of the list, number one woman, HBIC. Mm -hmm. Uh, As soon as Xuanzang was named emperor, he elevated his wife, princess, up to empress as well. Mm -hmm. Now, under that, there are four consort rankings, noble, pure, virtuous, and then able. Under that, there are nine imperial concubine rankings, like Lady of Bright Deportment, or Lady of Cultivated Beauty, or Complete Countenance. And then there's a few more even below that, like the Lady of Handsome Fairness, or the Lady (laughs) of Talents, or the Lady of Treasure, etc., etc., etc. Lots of titles. This is really reminding me of the David Mamet movie, State in Maine, where they're making a movie. Yeah. And the guy's like, Oh, I think I'm an associate producer. He's like, yeah, everybody's an associate producer. It's what you give your assistant instead of a raise. <laughs> it feels like there's like, I don't know, make a bunch of titles yeah. to make them think that this is a good job. Right, right. <laughs> These are all, I mean, it's just like a ranking system for all his girlfriends, basically. Wow. Imagine being the lady of treasure. <laughs> she's and he, way down she's there. like, sounds big, but it's not. <laughs> the <laughs> able consort is ahead of me. <laughs> But one of his favorite ladies was a woman named Zhao, and she went from being a prostitute who could sing and dance to all the way become the second highest ranking consort in the palace, really climbed that ladder. And she was the one who had his earliest sons. Remember, he had two already when Li Sisheng was born. Mm -hmm. And one of them, Li Ying, was named crown prince and heir to the throne in 715. He was also not the oldest son. There was technically one. His other brother was one year older than him. But that guy had had a serious injury and it would like took him out of the running, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no one was worried about him coming out of nowhere. Nope. Li Ying was firmly in that position. All right. So, yeah, we've got a lot of players on the board here. 
Emperor Xuanzang is married to Princess Wang, or Empress Wang now. Together, they're raising his son, Li Sesheng, the stew baby. <laughs> and the emperor's son, with consort Zhao, is Crown Prince Li Ying. Everyone's getting along. Things are going great. Palace Christmases are lovely. Whatever. <laughs> but another consort was about to rise to the top. And she was ready to bust heads and take what she wanted take no prisoners. Her name was Consort Wu, and we'll learn about her right after these words. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back, everyone. Let's head back to Lee Poe's Drunken Poetry <laughs> Corner with a verse called Drinking in the Mountains. Mountain flowers open in our faces. You and I are triply lost in wine. I'm drunk, my friend, sleepy. 
rise and go. With your dawn loot, return if you wish and stay. <laughs> this one's great because he's like, I'm real drunk, all right? Why don't you go and get some music? Yeah, come on come back, back some music. we'll start the party over again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also love that the last poem was called The Mountain Drinking Song, uh-huh. and this one is called Drinking in the Mountains. Like <laughs> Lee Poe's like, write what you know. <laughs> yeah. I like two things. I like mountains, and I like drinking in the mountains. <laughs> He's probably like, I like drinking any place, but I right? live in the mountains. <laughs> so... I also love this. If it's mountain people, like Appalachian mountain people. Oh, sure. <laughs> like be Same very poem. similar shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drunk, my friend. Sleepy. Why don't you go on go? Come on back with a guitar and we'll have us a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mountain ready folk. for the Appalachian version yeah. of Lee Poe if anyone wants to <laughs> take a crack at it. Mountain folk. They're so similar everywhere you go. Love it. Whatever, whatever the mountains. <laughs> Whichever mountain. Um, I, th- these Lee Poe poems about drinking are hilarious and wonderful, but he does have some beautiful poetry. Uh, so go look it up because I was reading them and I was like, damn, this is gorgeous. Oh, man. But then I kept finding other more and more poems about drinking and I'm like, OK, buddy. <laughs> well, this is a sidetrack, but that's one of the things I love so much about Chinese and like Japanese culture. Uh huh. Was that everybody wrote poetry. It was just like a thing everyone did. And so you have so many people who are really very good poets who would write beautiful literature poems, Mm -hmm. you know, that you would want to like read for ages. And then there were some people who were like, I wrote a haiku about fucking my wife behind a bar last night. You know, like you're just like the most ridiculous. So oftentimes they were just for comedy reasons. There's just a form of entertainment. And I just love that. And that would be so fun to bring it back, make everybody write a quick poem about whatever <laughs> they feel like. And Lee Poe somehow did both. Somehow. Some people can do both. Yeah. Get you a poet who can do both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Xuan Song did. He was like, get this guy in my court. He is now poet laureate. He of makes China. me laugh. He makes me cry. That's <laughs> what I want. Okay. So back to our uh, drama, our soap opera here. Emperor Xuanzang is ruling over a golden age of culture and art and poetry. He's doing it all with Empress Wang by his side. His super smart son, Si Sheng, is doing great. And his other son, Crown Prince Li Ying, is a suitable heir to the throne. But another consort was working her way up the ranks. Consort Wu. Emperor Xuanzang, now in his 30s and nearing his 10th year in power, was spending less and less time with his wife, Empress Wang, and more and more time with Consort Wu. Hmm. Now, none of his previous consorts had gained favor over his wife, but now things were changing. Now, maybe this is because Emperor Xuanzang was just one of those guys who always wanted a younger, hotter, newer model. You know, he refused to be happy with the woman he married as she aged. Sure. A real DiCaprio of his time. <laughs> or maybe it's because Consort Wu was the grandniece of Empress Wu Zetian herself. And she was extremely ambitious and thirsty for power. Mm. Now, Xuanzang had always favored his wife, even though he could literally bang anybody he wanted. Right. Like anybody could be like, I don't like it. Right. <laughs> Too bad. And while Wang hadn't provided him with a son, which he did resent, they raised Sisheng together as their own. And everyone in the palace loved Empress Wang, including most of the other consorts. But Consort Wu had her eyes on that throne. Right. And that's just what I'm thinking here is like, 
some people said that like, well, Empress Wong was getting older and he was just, you know, he wasn't liking her as much anymore. But I'm like, he, it's not like he was resigned to only sleep with her for the rest of his life. And he didn't like that she wasn't as hot as she used to be. You know, right. like, it's not like he had any indication that he didn't like her a lot because for a long time he really did. And he had all these other options. So I kind of speculation station. I think Wu had more to do with it mm. than uh, than Wong's just aging, as it was suggested. But we'll see. We'll I see. kind of agree because isn't the point of the Empress is you know you you don't want to be constantly changing your Empress. So yeah, you would choose her for different reasons. Right. You wouldn't just be like the hottest one. Uh-huh. If that does change. You want to be like this is the smart one. She's you know got an even temper. She's not gonna coo me out of right, nowhere right. <laughs> with some other dude like. That would be more important, I think, qualities in an empress. Well, the emperor and consort Wu, I keep almost saying Constance Wu. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait for Constance Wu to play her in in our movie that we're going to make, or our 10 season (laughs) season show we're going to make. Thank you. We have so many 10 seasons shows to make. (laughs) That's why no one's called us. It's too (laughs) long-winded. Cut it down to five. Then we'll talk. While the emperor and consort Wu had several children together, of course, as he and many of his concubines did, it's estimated he had over 50 children with various consorts. Wow. But the first three of their children actually died early in their childhood. But their fourth child was a son named Li Mao, or eventually his name was Li Mao. They changed their names all the time, but let's just stick with that for now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, this kid, the emperor asked his own brother, the Prince of Ning, to raise him. So he went off to live with the Prince of Ning and his wife. Mm -hmm. And all the while, Consort Wu is doing that thing where she just kind of tries to casually talk shit about Empress Wang without, you know, actually being treasonous. You know, she's got to kind of carefully just poison the emperor's ear a little bit about Mm -hmm. his own wife, gradually taking more and more of the emperor's time, trying to drive a wedge between them. You know, I imagine like a like a don't you wish your empress was hot like me? (laughs) Don't you wish your empress was a freak like, like me? Because, you know, she probably was a freak. She probably was a freak. Yeah, I could totally see them, like, I don't know, hanging out in bed together, like, Consort Wu, your hair is so beautifully long and flowy like a waterfall. <laughs> oh, Emperor, anything you like must be correct. So I'm so happy to please you. If only the empress had such long, thick hair as mine. Oh. It's just too bad, but I suppose she has many other wonderful qualities. Oh, shit. (laughs) You know, it's always some shit like some shady shit like that. You're too good at that. I know. Watch out, ladies. Yeah, right. You want to consort my husband? (laughs) (laughs) Try it. I dare you. Try it. Ladies, all come woo me. I want to give Diana an opportunity to try and scheme against you. Uh oh. I've opened a terrible Pandora's box. (laughs) No, Diana, I'm only sleeping with these five other women so that you can try and scheme against them. (laughs) I'm testing your skills. (laughs) I want to see your coup skills. (laughs) Well, Wong was not having it. She's Mm. hearing all these jellyfish stings coming from this bitch. She's like, "Mm mm-mm, I've done nothing but help this emperor. I helped put his dad in power. I helped put him in power. I helped him make the make him the great ruler that he is today. I'm raising his son by another woman. I, I mean, mean, what more do I got to that's do? That's true. That's true. So she starts telling him about himself. She's like, hey, don't forget, I'm your wife. 
that bitch sucks. <laughs> it's a little less subtle than Consort Wu. Well, she don't have no treason to right, worry about. Yeah. I suppose she can be a little more flat about it. <laughs> but maybe she should have been a little more subtle because he argued about it with the Empress. Um, so this just pushed them further apart. She should have been like, oh, um, don't I smell nice today? <laughs> oh, yes, you smell quite lovely. Oh, it's too bad that Consort Wu stinks like rotten fish all the time. <laughs> oh, <you know>? Now, before long, Xuanzang was looking for a way to depose his empress. Oh. And he was mostly blaming it on her failure to produce him a son. Right. Mm. Which, again, is weird to me because he already had, like, all these sons and one of them was already the crown prince. I mean, it's so, probably just a convenient excuse Exactly. I really think this is more of Consort Wu pushing him to uh to get rid of her somehow yeah and he was you know he's kind of fed up they're like fighting they're an old married couple and he's like yeah this hot young girl is right (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know old like us old (laughs) so the emperor went to a close associate of his named jiang Zhao, and he said hey man uh i kind of want to depose my wife you know get her out of power strip her of her empress titles she's really she's just kind of cramping my style okay Mm -hmm. And Zhang Zhao is like, yes, I'm on it. Let me go figure some stuff out. But apparently, this dude had loose lips because a short while later, Empress Wang's own brother-in-law came to Empress Wansong and said, uh, hey, this guy Zhang Zhao is talking about deposing your wife? And the emperor, you know, he thinks fast and he's like, whoa, what? That's crazy. I can't believe he would say that. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, this guy sucks. You need to exile him. And Xuanzang is like, yeah, well, you're right about, hey, Jiang Zhao, you can't be talking shit like that. Mm-hmm. I'm exiling you forever. Get out of here. Bye. But all this made Empress Wang feel real nervous. Sure. Because she's always looking over her shoulder. She knows moves are being made against her. Mm-hmm. She thought if she could only have a son, her safety would be assured. So, in 724, she went to her brother, Wang Shouyi, for help. is like, okay, I got a great idea. How about magic? Oh. So he went to a Buddhist monk named Ming Wu, and they started doing some old school mystical shit. They offered sacrifices to the Big Dipper and a Chinese constellation called Nandu. Then they brought the empress an amulet, which was made from wood that had been struck by lightning. And they carved the symbols for heaven and earth into the amulet, alongside the emperor's name, and were like, okay, this is how you get a son, just wear this amulet. Mm. I would love an amulet made of wood that's been struck by lightning. I mean, at least there's vibes there. That's something cool and hard to find and kind of awesome. And statistically, feels very unlikely to get struck by lightning again. again. True, it might be like a nice <laughs> talisman against <laughs> a disaster. With my luck, I would put that on and immediately get struck by lightning. And they'd be like, well, <laughs> exception proves the rule. There was actually a lightning rod in the amulet. Oh, geez, very rude. <laughs> well, okay, so this little magic spell they cooked up was not exactly cool behavior because it sort of looked like trying to use magic to circumvent the will of the gods. Like if mm. she wasn't naturally having a son, it wasn't meant to be. And now they're trying to use magic to undo that. Yikes. There's not a ton of clear reasoning behind this in the research, but whatever happened, this little magic stunt must have been enough for Emperor Xuanzang to use against his wife. Because once word of this magic got out, her brother Shou Yi was immediately exiled and Empress Wang was deposed. 
she was brought down to the rank of commoner and sent to live in a lesser palace. Damn! On his way to exile, her brother, Shou-Yi, received the order to commit suicide. <gasps> and then only three months after Wang was deposed in 724, she died. And we don't really know how. But it's said that the emperor always regretted his actions. He felt bad about deposing her and exiling her to this little palace somewhere. He was like, actually, I was kind of a good ruler when Wang was here. Yeah. I feel badly about what I did. Right. So I'm thinking, speculation station, maybe he expressed that he felt badly. Maybe he was talking about how this mm. seemed like a bad idea. And consort Wu decided, well, I'm going to go take this lady off the board for good. Oh, so he can like bring her so back. So he can bring her something? back. I mean, oh, it's happened man. before. We've seen in other kingdoms where I remember in Thailand, I mean, this was much more recent, right. but that guy like kicked his wife out and then brought her back and oh, gave, yeah. reinstated her stuff. Like it could happen. Very, very. So yeah. again, speculation station, consort Wu killed that woman. I I'm with that. I Either think that is not far-fetched and yeah. definitely true. <laughs> or she sent someone, one of her little minions. Well, I think that's probably more. She didn't do it herself. Right. But I think I think you're right. She probably ordered mm -hmm. someone to do it. Yeah. I, I want that. the Empress to know it was me. <laughs> Tell her. <laughs> well, whatever happened, Consort Wu definitely did it. But whatever happened, Consort <laughs> Wu now had the Emperor's full attention. There was no woman more powerful than her at the palace. Mm. She was elevated to the rank of Huifei, which was the highest ranking consort only beneath the title of empress. To Wu, all that meant was that she had one more stair to climb. And we'll hear about a whole new batch of schemes that she cooked up right after this. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Tang Dynasty, where Consort Wu is making dangerous moves to bring herself into power. So before things get too dark, let's go down to Poetry Corner and hear another drunken verse by Lee Po called A Vindication. If heaven loved not the wine, a wine star would not be in heaven. If earth loved not the wine, the wine spring would not be on the earth. Since heaven and earth love the wine, need a tippling mortal be ashamed. The transparent wine, I hear, has the soothing virtue of a sage, while the turgid is rich, they say, as the fertile mind of the wise. Both the sage and the wise were drinkers. Why seek for peers among gods and goblins? Three cups open the grand door to bliss. Take a jugful, the universe is yours. Such is the rapture of the wine that the sober shall never inherit. (laughs) I love this. He's straight up like, it is so cool to get drunk that sober people ain't ever even going to know. Sober people have not the key to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I do, and it's right at the bottom of this bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't Benjamin Franklin say alcohol is proof that, that gods love us and want us to be happy? (laughs) <laughs> sounds like him. <laughs> this is one, I mean, this is a whole other topic we could go on and on about, but so fascinating to me that every culture all across this globe, independently of each other, found out if you let this grape juice go bad, okay. it fucks you up oh. in the best way. <laughs> that is something that is so universal, literally yeah. with human beings. We want to get wasted. <laughs> yes, we want anything but our standard reality. <laughs> We took one look around and we're like, nah, this is no good. Let's try something else. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, back to the story. Now, Consort Wu 
was so close to being named Empress, she could almost taste it. Mm. All her rivals had been taken out. She had the emperor's favor. And in the year 726, Xuanzang decided he wanted to elevate her to the rank of empress. Oh. All her dreams were coming true. But his officials were like, wait a minute. Hold on there, partner. Not so fast. <laughs> because remember, Consort Wu is the grandniece of the empress Wu Zetian. And Wu Zetian tried to eliminate the entire Tong dynasty and rename it for herself before she was overthrown. Oof. So her family still had a lot of beef with the imperial throne. Mm. So his chancellors are like, guess what? The people of China don't like the Wu's. And more specifically, they don't like consort Wu. Oof. She sucks. Everyone knows it. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone but you, I guess. Right. So this is really not a smart move. You know, those people where it's just like, you know, someone's dating someone and everyone in your friend group hates oh, this man. person. Mm -hmm. But they just you just can't break them up. No. And you know, you can it's so clear that they're like manipulating them and using them to get what they want. God, it's hard. Oh, it's so God, hard. It's hard. Because then you do so often they will break up and you get to say all your true feelings. <laughs> and then they go get, and back, then they together, get back together. And you're like, well, Damn, that's what I'm supposed to do. Don't let me make a speech at your wedding, I guess. Right. Now, his advisors also pointed out the obvious political struggle that would come with naming her empress. Because the emperor had two sons with consort Wu. But he had already named his son Li Ying the crown prince and heir to the throne. Mm. If consort Wu was named empress, things were going to get messy around the line of succession. She's going to want her son to be emperor next. And then it's going to put your boy Li Ying in danger. Mm. So the emperor heard all this. He's like, all right, you right, you right, you right. Okay, bad move. No doubt, no doubt. I won't name her empress. But everybody listen here and listen good. Y'all are basically going to treat her like an empress, okay? Everybody in this palace, she is your empress in all but name, okay? She is number one. She's HBIC. Mm -hmm. She's, you wait on her hand and foot and you do what she says. That's right. But obviously, Consort Wu was not thrilled about this little compromise mm -hmm. because she'd been working towards that empress title for a while. I kind of get it. Nobody wants to be like, you're the CEO of Disney and name only. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I would take it. I would be the CEO of Disney and name only. Well, well name and salary. I don't know about all that. Name and salary, maybe. <laughs> But you know they're gonna do some dumb shit and then let you like usher you in front of everybody to be stoned. <laughs> to yeah, <death. laughs> but I still got that like thirty-five billion dollars a year, right? That's true, and maybe you get to go to the parks for free. Uh, ooh, have we thought about that? Wait a minute, <laughs> CEO Disney has to get free park admission, right? What if Bob Chappick right now is like three hundred dollars? Well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, now he's got a pet. And <laughs> now he's got a problem with it. <laughs> so Consort Wu is not super happy about this, but. She's adaptable. She knew she didn't need the title to get everything she ever wanted. So her mother was made a lady. Her brothers were given official positions at court. And her sons and daughters were made princes and princesses. And Xuanzang's chancellors were right. What she really wanted was to make her son, Li Mao, the new crown prince and heir to the imperial throne. But she needed a little more help to get him there. And that brings us to this week's Villain of the Week. 
Lee Lin Fu. Oh, Lee Lin Fu, this squirrely little creep. <laughs> he had risen the ranks in court through good connections and pure luck and lots of scheming and wheeling and dealing. His uncle was Jiang Jiao. If you remember, he was the emperor's friend who took the blame for trying to depose Empress Wang the first time. That's right, he got exiled. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. Now, Lin Fu was nicknamed Gnu, which I, I looked at translations, and as far as I can tell, it means like a knee or a knee-like bend. So maybe this guy was like crooked. He was always bent over or maybe he was like always kneeling down to get what he wanted. Mm. Or maybe he was always on his knees to get what he wanted. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. They called him Gnu and it doesn't seem like it was um, a kind nickname. They sort of used it disparagingly, but he also owned it like the penguin in Gotham. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Crooked makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think crooked. I had a history professor, by the way, who I loved because actually he would call Lee Po this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Whenever he had an alcoholic uh, historical figure, he would go, he was a bit of an elbow crooker. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) I always liked that. Yeah. I know it's not really related, but it makes me laugh. Well, this guy, Lin Fu, nicknamed Gnu, uh, he applied to a low-level position at the Ministry of Justice called the Sumen Longjean. But the chancellor at the time said, quote, People who are to serve as long must have good talent and virtues. Gnu is no long. Owie. Uh-huh. He ain't got no talent or virtues. <laughs> Lin Fu's like, am I at my roast right now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I thought this much. was an interview. All the higher-ups were roasting him, but he also had connections. Somebody must have been pulling some strings for him because just a few days after the chancellor said that, Lin Fu got that position anyway. Ooh, okay. So with friends in all the right places, Lin Fu worked his way up the ranks until he was working under the staff of Li Ying himself, the crown prince and heir to the throne. Wow. So he's already trying to get as close to power as possible. And he could smell it when other people were doing the same. Mm. So after Empress Wang was deposed and Consort Wu started making moves, he wanted in on the action. Oh, yeah. This guy's like an ancient Chinese Varus from Game of Thrones. Mm. He had a bunch of eunuchs around the palace, bringing him all the whispers they heard, his wow. little sparrows. So he used them to get a message to Consort Wu. Like, hey, hi, I uh, work for Li Ying, great guy and everything. Mm-hmm. But something is just kind of telling me, a little gut instinct, that Li Mao would be such a great emperor. So if you would be interested, uh, check yes or no and return messenger. <laughs> Send the eunuch back to me. Send the eunuch back with your she, like, answer st- forthwith. Stamps a big yes on the eunuch's head. It's like, oh. She probably brands it into his arm. Oh, no, true. <laughs> Poor eunuchs. But man, it is like Game of Thrones. Like all these, that's where the power is. Yes. You know, Those, it's, how often do we see this? Again, a lot of TV shows that we watch now where the servants you know, have mm-hmm. all the info. They know the dirt. Hell yeah. If you get on their side, you get what you need. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's still true, honestly. I mean, if you think about being a server or something, right. like how often you go to like a fancy party at a hotel or whatever. Oh my and you're God. Like, if you know the server or the maitre d', you know, like whoever is in charge, you can get back wherever you need to go. <laughs> I remember. will take you where you need to go. You were working a catering gig and you came back and you said, hey, psst, just guess what I heard? Chapex out. Bob Iger's coming back. And I was like, damn, you heard that? (laughs) I heard the call. (laughs) Well, Consort Wu now had a really good player in her pocket in Lin Fu, and she started advising him on who he should support that could later help him out. So he would, like, 
go recommend some minister to be appointed that she gave him a heads up on. And then later that person would remember him and say, oh, yeah, you you spoke up for me when it came down to my nomination. Mm-hmm. Maybe I owe you a little favor. Mm, so, the world is built on little favors. Oh, exactly. It was a long game, but by the mid-730s, Lin Fu was close enough to Emperor Zhuan Song that he was able to just flatter the guy constantly. Oh, Emperor, oh, you smell so nice today. That was a very good decision, Emperor. Oh, I love the way you wear your shoes. (laughs) Whatever it took. (laughs) Flattery will get you everywhere, especially with Zhuan Song. Mm -hmm. And between this and Consort Wu's influence, Lin Fu became one of the Emperor's favored advisors. Now, it was all about convincing him to switch his heirs. And then in the year 736, the perfect situation arose. Li Ying met up with two of his brothers, Li Yao and Li Ju, who were both princes born of two different consorts. Mm. Together, they started talking shit about how their mothers, who were all at different times favored consorts of the emperor, Mm -hmm. had all lost favor to this consort woo lady. Oh, you know, basically they're like, man, dad's new girlfriend sucks. Like, <laughs> right. It's like pretty harmless stuff. But this guy, Yang Hui, who was a male consort for one of consort Wu's princess daughters and a total wet blanket, <laughs> overheard them and he goes running to consort Wu, telling her all about it. She probably had to hide the biggest smile of her <laughs> life. Seriously. <laughs> She's like, finally, my time has come. She called Li Ying to come before her and the emperor. As soon as Ying walked in, she burst into tears and starts yelling at him, like all dramatic, like, you know, it's one thing to insult me. I'm used to it. (laughs) But in doing so, you've defamed your father, the emperor. I just don't know how we could move forward from this. I really don't know. Oh, wow. You are too good at this. <laughs> In another time and place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I might have been a consort you could myself. Have, yeah, you could have really been the power behind the throne. <laughs> Doubtful. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd be one of those consorts who's like, I'm just going to like hang out and clean things or whatever y'all enjoy. <laughs> it depends if you got bored enough or not. Because true, like, very true. you know, I don't think you've, I don't think you would have felt like getting up and doing all the work. <laughs> but not that you're not a hard worker, but it would have been worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of responsibility. Although you do like taking on more responsibility than you actually like. That is true. And so honestly, if it was, if I was like, if I could convince myself, it's for my son. This is for my son. It's oh, for the okay. good of China. Like, I probably would do a bunch of crazy shit. If yeah. it was just for me, I would not bother. But That's if true. It was you for, do not take care of yourself. If I thought it was like a bigger <laughs> picture situation, I could probably do all kinds of weird shit. Well, okay. So Emperor Zhuangzong is super mad about this. You know, his son, the crowned prince, the future of the empire is out here talking shit about Consort Wu, who is supposed to be basically be the empress at this point. Mm. And he considered deposing Li Ying, stripping him of that title. Consort Wu, of course, she's just like drooling all over herself at this point. Like, yes, this is it. I can't wait. We're almost there. I mean, if you think that's the best course of action, (laughs) of course you should. I hate that it's come to this. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So he's like he's like about to sign the paper. But his senior chancellor, Zhang Zhu Ling, said, hey, man, look. 
I'm going back through the history books here, and every time a crown prince gets replaced, the empire ended up taking a serious hit. It's not a good move. Mm. We're always like, we're losing states. There's a lot of people fighting. It gets ugly. It's a bad idea. So I think we should stick with what we got. So Zhang managed to keep Li Ying in the line of succession, which of course meant that Li Lin Fu had to get rid of Zhang. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. He put himself in the crossfire. Oh, my God. And within a year and through some very complicated schemery that I swear to you could play out as an entire season arc on this show <laughs> we're talking about, look into this history between Li Lin Fu and, and Zhang Zhuling because it's wild. It's so schemy. It's such good soap opera drama stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, Li Lin Fu managed to accuse Zhang of factionalism and the emperor demoted him. And this moment, him demoting Zhang is believed to be the beginning of the downfall of Xuanzang's reign, crumbling from its once golden age. Hmm. Historian Sima Guang wrote, quote, After Zhang Juling was demoted, officials were all concerned about keeping their positions, and honest words no longer had a place in government. And we've seen what happens when honest words no longer have a place in government. Let this be a cautionary tale, but it won't because it already happened. Nobody (laughs) learned anything. (laughs) Just keeps happening. Honestly, I don't think it's ever stopped happening. It's been happening since the dawn of time. True. Very true. But this got particularly ugly at this point. Just couldn't trust anybody anymore. Well, Wu and Lin Fu had everything in place. And in 737, they made their big move. Wu sent a message to Li Ying and his the same two brothers who were talking shit about her before and said, quote, There are bandits in the palace. Please report at once in full armor. So all three men suited up. They charged into the palace. Hundreds of warriors behind them, ready to fight. And guess what? Consort Wu went straight to the emperor. Like, oh my god, your three crazy sons are back. They're trying to do a treason. <laughs> And he asks his eunuchs, who are like, yeah, they, they're definitely here. They're in full armor, swinging their swords around. So Yang Hui, the same wet blanket who ratted on them for talking shit about Consort Wu last year, mm. is like, wow, formal accusation of treason against those three. Wow. So Song heard all this, and he ordered the royal guards to disarm the three princes and their armies. And the three princes are getting, you know, just rammed into the corner all their swords are getting taken away and they're shouting like no you're we're being wronged let me speak to my father let me speak to my father but Wu's allies kept them silenced Xuanzang consulted with his chancellors but of course guess who was the most powerful dude in court right now Mm. Li Lin Fu well Lin Fu turns to the emperor who's facing this very difficult decision about what to do and he said quote This is your imperial majesty's family matter. We will not interfere. Oh. Which is so tricky because he's basically saying like, hey, emperor, if your family matters to you more than the empire, I am not going to get involved. Like, you totally make that decision for yourself. If you want to favor them over, you know, this whole treason accusation, that's on you. So he's basically making it so he has to do something about it. What a tricky little it's bitch. It's so gross. He's such a like Grima worm tongue. Totally. Uh-huh, little like finger. that little finger. Yeah, like the guy just whispering things to the king and making him do shit. And so without speaking to the princes, 
he deposed all three, stripped them of their powers, and ordered their deaths by suicide. No, not all three of his sons. All That's three. So sad. Yep. I'm a little mad at Schwanfong. It feels like he's kind of got his head up his ass at the, the end of his reign here. They've really... The later got, part of his reign here. There's definitely, like, you can't not blame him for making all these terrible decisions that he made. Mm-hmm. But he is also, like, being so hardcore manipulated right now. But he's sure. fallen for it, too. He I mean, there's there's an element it. of it that's, like, willingly. That That is... I guess that's where I get yeah. a little mad because I'm like, surely, isn't that part of being a king, queen, emperor, uh-huh. president, whatever? People are going to try to manipulate you to their own ends. Yeah. And you need to have a strong enough sense of yourself and whatever right. that you can not play into their hands. But, you know, as you say, that he's got all these people running around. He probably doesn't know half of anything that's going on. Right. So. And they're so good at it. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, well, yeah, he could go out and protect his son. But after everyone has said all the things they said. Right. Does that not look like he's ignoring his advisors and just doing you know, treat putting his family first, which an emperor can't do. Right. There's some, I don't want to get too spoilerly, but it reminds me of some of the stuff in towards the end of House of the Dragon in the first mm. season. Not to just bring it back to Game of Thrones again, but, uh, but similar kind of stuff where, you know, she had a decision to make. And once someone said, hey, let me do it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she couldn't say no because then it looked like she was protecting her family and not being a strong ruler. That's right. So even though it was definitely the wrong decision, she wasn't really able to make the right one without looking bad. Very true. I think there's some of that in there, too. But he definitely is not blameless in this. Well, unfortunately, due to his stupid decisions, the crown prince is now dead. Mm-hmm. So, of course, immediately, Consort Wu and Li Lin Fu start dropping hints that her son, Li Mao, should probably go ahead and be the crowned prince. I mean, he's standing right here. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but Song was pretty depressed by all this, uh, which, why not? Right. <laughs> about three of his sons are dead. His favorite right. wife died years ago. Like, he's making some bad choices. So he didn't rush into any decisions about his heir. Over the next few months, it's said that Consort Wu was haunted by visions of the three princes. And later that year, only in her 40s, she became inexplicably ill. In December, she passed away, and many say she died of fright. Ooh. Wow. She got that ghost sickness. <laughs> she had a dream where they were like, oh, one, two, three, Prince Zara before you. <laughs> and then she had it stuck in their head every day after that. She's like, just kill me now. Just let me die. <laughs> oh, no. I'm three afraid princes. I'll never get three princes out of my head. <laughs> well, this was a real kick in the pants to old Lin Fu. Because without Consort Wu's backing, his machinations became more obvious, and he started to fall for the emperor's favor. Hmm. Song posthumously honored Consort Wu by naming her Empress Zhenshun, which means the virtuous and serene empress. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. He he says that, and someone at court is like, (coughs) bullshit, bullshit. (coughs) Untrue. I feel like he turned to them and he's like, what would be the funniest possible thing we could name? Well, (laughs) this is part of it, too, because I'm like, it's almost a bigger diss that he named her empress after she died. That's true. I mean, it wasn't because back then, like, this was definitely an honor to have your family, you know, have your name in the 
books forever. I mean, her Wikipedia page now is under the name Empress Jen Shun, not not Constance Wu. So, um, (laughs) but uh, but still, it does feel like kind of a dig. Like, okay, now I'll make you Empress. Now that you did, and I'll call you virtuous and serene. (laughs) Yeah, right. Sarcasm. It's a backslash s at the end of her name. (laughs) Sarcasm font. But even though he named her empress, he was pretty sore about everything that went down with his sons, and he refused to put any official state mourning periods in place for her death. And everyone so, was like, phew, we didn't want to mourn her anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, Speculation Station, again, it feels like this was kind of a, this was kind of a dig. Like, he was not really honoring her. He was kind of acknowledging that he was pissed off about yeah. how she treated him. Yeah. When Li Mao, her son, was once again suggested as the heir to the throne... The emperor said, you know what? No, I'm not doing it. Oh. I put my foot down. I know who my heir is. It's my boy, Lee Sushing, <gasps> the stew baby who was raised <laughs> by me and Empress Wong. He's real smart. He's real savvy. I like him. I'm making him the crown prince and heir to the throne. And he was crowned in 738. Nice. Yes. There you go, stew baby. Way best, to hold out. True. And the best decision that... Xuan Song has made in many years. Many at this a point. year, yeah, right. It sort of makes me feel like Empress Wang was even more instrumental than people say. Right. Because after she died, he immediately was like kind of doing some dumb shit. Right. So it's like clearly she was there being like, babe, what? No, yeah. let's do this instead. Yeah. Now, after he crowned Sisheng, Xuan Song really started to slip. Mm. It's said that he brought tens of thousands of beautiful women into his palace to please him, and many of them were never allowed to leave. Pretty creepy. But then he met Yang Guifei, who would capture his heart for the rest of his life. But that distracted him from his duties and left a power vacuum that our friend Li Lin Fu was all too happy to exploit. Mm, That guy. It all ended in tragedy and was documented in a poem called A Song of Everlasting Sorrow. And we will hear all about that in our next episode. Oh, God, there's so much more. Isn't that what you wanted to start with? The Song of Everlasting Sorrow? Oh, yeah. I found The Song of Everlasting Sorrow and was like, oh, here's a cool story. And then I found all this, th- all this, <laughs> this consort Wu and Prince and Empress Wong and all this stuff. There's so much leading up to it mm-hmm. that it had to be a prequel episode. This Basically. is like when you did Calico Jack and you found out that whole thing about... Um, oh, his parents? And Bonnie's parents. And Bonnie's parents, parents. yeah. <laughs> and their spoon situation. <laughs> I love Everything. when one story leads to another. Oh, like, yeah. It's so great. And and this one is like, it's the same guy, but everyone else, well, Lee Lin Fu is coming back, of course. Ooh. I guess he's the villain of the week. Yeah, that's right. Um, And he will be back to cause a lot of trouble. And it's just so interesting to see that period, like we said, when Lee Lin Fu got Jung uh demoted mm-hmm. i mean there are many places where things started to go downhill but that was really the linchpin where it just it was never coming back after that and the tang dynasty uh never really uh ascended to its heights again well and you see it like they said he got rid of all the people who were just paying to be there yeah. for, for power and position right and things were going great because yep. you actually had people who knew what they were doing wanted the same things as you like all that sort of thing uh. Wanted what was best. And then the minute you turn it over to people who are just looking out for themselves, that's when everything starts crumbling. Yeah. 
Yep. It's like one of the easiest things to see and one of the hardest things to do, I guess. If yeah. Your power is to be like, I know exactly how it should go. And people are hard. <laughs> people are hard. And there's always somebody scheming for power. Yeah. Very and true. sometimes those people are really good at it. <laughs> um, because if you can read people, if you can know how to talk to them and tell them what they want to hear. And if you know how to make promises that you don't necessarily have to deliver on, <laughs> you can get a lot <laughs> true, done. Very true. <laughs> Some call it lying. Um, <laughs> but His name should be Lylan Food. Oh, take that. <laughs> this from centuries later. <laughs> He's like, but you're still saying my name, aren't you, bitch? Oh, I guess we are. Yeah. Jerk. Sadly. Fabric group. Yeah. What if, what today, right now in this room, in our lives, would be different if Lee Lin Food and Suck So Bad? You know, oh or if uh, Consort Wu had never come along, or if he gave the stew to that to his consort. That's right, to Sushang. And Lee so Sushang wasn't born. I love those little things. And I mean, I don't love them, but I'm fascinated by those parts of history where you're like, this one dude, I mean, it really shows you one person mm-hmm. can make such a difference because, you know, China might be a completely different country today, which of course would mean the world is a completely different place today. Very true. Had this one little dick. <laughs> not come in to screw things up for everyone. <laughs> Little dick. <laughs> I love this stuff and I can't wait for the next episode. I know. Chinese history is so rich. Oh my god. With this kind of stuff because of course it goes on it goes back so long. Yeah. But and it's so meticulously recorded. Right. But like you said, so much soap opera shenanigans happening. Uh-huh. It's just like insane. I love it. It's true of so many royal families. And then what's interesting is like when you, uh, we've seen this on this show, when you get down into just like a regular ass person's household, some of this stuff is just as dramatic Mm -hmm. on such a smaller scale, Mm -hmm. but it's just as rich and interesting. But there is something about it when it's in these palaces with all these, you know, with the the consequences, the stakes are so high. Right. When you're literally talking about a world power and, and two people like trying to undermine each other for it. Right. Consort Wu is out here like, this is for me. And everyone else is like, no, bitch, it changes everything (laughs) for everyone. Right. Right. Ah, I love it. Mm. I love it. We hope you loved it, too. You'll have to let us know. Please do reach out. Um, Our email address is radicromance at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at oh great, it's Eli. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And the show is at Romance. Follow along. We love hearing from y'all. Whatever you got Mm -hmm. to say, send it our way. Throw us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people discover us and, and start listening. And... I guess until next time. We'll see you at the next one. Love you. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. A rested child is a happy child. 
Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.